Angie's List is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. What could be germier than a bathroom doorknob? Try unclean countertops, TV remotes, fridge handles, gaming controls, and all kinds of things around the house. Help your family stay happy, healthy, and uninterrupted by illness this year with Clorox disinfecting wipes, Clorox bleach, and Clorox disinfecting mist. They kill 99.9% of cold and flu viruses on hard, non-porous surfaces when used as directed. So get germs out of the way and get on with your day with Clorox. You're unstoppable when you start clean. Hello, everybody. Welcome to your very favorite Bronze Age comic book podcast, Flea Market Fantasy. I am your co-host, Mike Gall, and as always, I'm joined by... Michael Dell of the LCS Hockey Radio Show. That is right. And this week, it's my pick, and I'm following up on the theme of King Arthur and the Round Table, so of course I picked Camelot 3000 by DC. (laughs) Yes, well, (sighs) last week, uh, we we did Excalibur. Yes. Which, uh, I guess there's a Merlin connection there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I, you know, to, to anticipate this episode, I went ahead and posted on Back Issue Magazine, which is my favorite Facebook page, and I put, finally diving into Camelot 3000, so far I'm loving it, any fans here. <laughs> Let's see, oh, look at that, 118 likes. What? Four, 48 comments, okay, all positive, <laughs> all positive, and one, one uh, former DC editor... Paul Kupperberg. You, wait, haven't we come across Paul Kupperberg before? That anyway, is familiar. Yeah, yeah. He said something like, <laughs> are there any... Or, so, and, he, and he basically flipped it on me. He said something like, does anyone not like it? Like, wah, Me? Wah, wah. I'm raising my hand right oh, here. look at that. What a <laughs> right surprise. Here. You know, from now on, I'm going to call you contrarian. That's what this you is are. like You're the dumbest comic book I've ever read. The concept is so absurd and just nonsensical. Absurd. No, what we should do is we should read, you know, Fantastic Four because that's not absurd. (laughs) Yes. All right. But, uh, all right, well, let's explain this. Camelot 3000 from 1982. Uh, I had never heard of it. I think I heard of it in just doing research for a previous episode. But when it came Mm -hmm. out, I never heard of it. I was just a lad. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was DC's first 12 issue maxi series. Woo! <laughs> maxi series. That's right. And, and if I recall, your beloved Amethyst was also a maxi series. Uh, right? I think you're right about that. Yep. Yeah. Well, this was the first one, and it was created specifically for the direct market uh, audience. So, I- explain to the kids what the direct market is. So mm-hmm. yeah. So the the newsstand or the grocery store where, where where you used to buy comics would be that's just like general distribution. Direct market is a specialty shop like a comic book store that buys comics directly from the company at a discount and they're non-returnable. So whereas like a grocery store, 
maybe they'll get 50 copies of Batman and they'll only sell 30. They'll rip the covers off the remaining 20 and send them back for credit or whatever. Or, or no, no, they send the covers back and throw the rest out. Direct market, if you buy 50 copies, you keep 50 copies, right? And so back in the 80s, Marvel and DC started slowly moving to direct-only sales. And now they're pretty much direct-only for everything. <clears throat> what, was the, what was the idea behind ripping the covers off and sending them back? That's a that good question. Like a, seems like a waste of books, no? Totally. Like, I think the idea was was that, you know, the, the grocery store would be like, well, we're not going to sell these, but it's, it's, it's too expensive to mail them back because it's not worth it. So we're going to throw them out. But we have to have proof that we didn't just, like, steal them or give them away, right? So we rip the covers off to make them worthless. Then we mail those covers back to the company as proof because obviously it's all about weight, right? So I think that's yeah. the reason. Yeah. But you, Whereas, would, you think the comp like DC or Marvel would be like, no, send them back. <laughs> I know, but then they have back. warehouses of, com of unsold comics, right? I guess, but it just seems so wasteful. <clears throat> I uh, agree. Yeah. All right. Uh, so also another big thing about this Camelot three thousand, Michael. It was the first book uh, printed on Baxter paper. Oh, you know, what's funny paper. is I noticed the paper was different, but I wasn't sure what kind it was, but I love Baxter paper, yeah. Yeah, we've talked about it before in the show, but it's just uh, a thick, white, heavier stock of paper, right? Right. Yeah. And it was mostly reserved for, like, uh, like not all comics went to Baxter, but just, like, you know, fancy ones. Well, yeah, know. like, I think in these days it was mostly reprints. Like, I know, like, Warlock, there was a Warlock reprint series, there was Doctor Strange... You know, uh, Nick Fury, right? They'd reprint, like, the best stuff from the 60s and 70s, I think, usually. Uh, the, the writer here is Mike W. Barr, who we've talked about on the show many times, and uh, Brian Boland is the artist. And Barr first pitched the idea to DC in 1975 when he was a 23-year-old lad, and they rejected it, and they were very smart to do so. <laughs> uh, real quick. If you're at home and you're like, hey, what's Camelot 3000? Well, if you ever loved King Arthur and the Knights of the Round Table, but you thought, hmm, if only they could be fighting aliens in the year 3000, yeah. this is the comic book for you. That's right. <laughs> so that's the idea he had. <laughs> and I guess it was, uh, he was taking a college course about uh, King Arthur and stuff, and that inspired the idea. And uh, so DC rejected it in 1975. Then he pitched it to Marvel, who bought the idea. Really? And they p they planned to run it in one of their black and white magazines, but then I guess someone said, no, this is ridiculous, we're not going to do it. And the project never got off the ground <laughs> uh, for, what, for whatever reason. Uh, so Barr then pitched it again to DC, and this time they bit. Hmm, so. Interesting. And you know, it's also funny, I mean, I'm sure you'll get to this later, but Brian Boland, no, to my knowledge, yeah. he yeah. never did a monthly series before or after this for DC or Marvel, right? <laughs> There's a good reason for that. Do you want to know why? Why? <laughs> uh, he had trouble meeting the deadlines. Because uh, let's look at it. It's a 12-issue uh, maxi-series, <clears throat> yet it's uh, the first issue that we're reading today was uh, published December 1982. Issue 12 was published April 1985. Yikes. And it was a monthly series. So let's do mm. the math there. <laughs> Things well, didn't really go as planned. <laughs> there's a lot of people, yeah, there's a lot of people commenting <laughs> that there was uh, an act, one full year in between 11 and 12. So. <laughs> well, uh... Uh, nine months. So yeah, okay, it's pretty okay. much. But uh, yeah, let's look at the publication dates here. So one was December of ninety of uh, eighty two. Then it, it came out each month right on schedule until through issue five. Okay. Then issue, so issue five was April nineteen eighty three. Mm -hmm. 
Then issue six was July 1983. Mm-hmm. Then we had August of 83, so there you go. That's still good. Uh, then September of 83, all right, still good. Uh, issue nine, December of 83, so uh, we missed a month there. And now we jump all the way to March of 1984 with issue 10. And then issue 11 is July of 1984. <clears throat> and then issue 12, April 1985. Holy hell. Well, guess what, though? It's okay <laughs> as long as it's good, right? It's all that matters. And stay in the test of time. <laughs> this is so terrible. So, but, but if you're reading this series at the time, like, what are you thinking? Like, uh, how many readers did they have? And you, uh, they had to just be outraged. Like, why did Six DC even keep million. doing it? Like, why didn't they just say, all right, enough, we're done? Well, because it's We're Brian right. Bolland, right? That's why. Oh, yeah, it's I so assume. great. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, so there it is. Uh, Camelot 3000. I think that's really all I need to say to set this up. I, I don't know. Well, is there anything I will, else to say? I mean, we'll talk about the creators later, obviously, but I, I want to quickly point out that Brian Bolland was actually the first of the British creators to come over to America. He was before Alan Moore. So... And he, he uh, this was one of his first big gigs, I guess. And he right. was still in uh, England at the time they started ah, this. okay. And I guess Barr, because of that, and because it was more difficult back in the day, you know, no internets, um, the way they did it was Barr just wrote it like a full script. And oh, cool. not, they didn't they didn't do the Marvel way, you know, where you get the plot sure. and then they draw. So that's how they, they did it. And I guess Boland, uh, this was also one of the first things he had done that he didn't also ink. Okay. So he, he did the very detailed drawings mm-hmm. to t- try and limit the inkers. <laughs> so they sure. he didn't want to give them much creativity. And then I guess in issue two, Michael, they tried to do something, uh, a unique little uh, production method where they tried to do away with inking entirely and just go print directly from his pencils. Really? And they did it, it, it only lasted for like, or I guess the process only, they did it for only the first two pages of issue two. Wow, because, okay, I haven't gotten that far yet. <laughs> because Boland uh, determined that it was even more work to, <laughs> of course, to right. like put in the heavier lines I guess he needed, that it might as well just ink it. So mm. yeah, it only lasted for two pages. But hmm. yeah. They've so. done that since then, like uh, Extreme X-Men by Salvador, Salvatore LaRocca, that was... Reprodu- reproduced directly from his pencils and to me it looked terrible I'd rather see inks you know yeah no, I know I had no idea they ever even tried to do this so yeah, yeah. <clears throat> so alright uh, I think that's uh, everything well do you want to talk about the creators now because we already talked about Mike W. Barr a lot on that like he, we've done like at least two of his issues before yeah I think he did Brave and the Bold and one other one I'm not sure why he did that Batman special with the Wraith oh that's right yeah the yeah. Wraith <clears throat> yeah well, I mean, you know, he's, I don't know if I told you, but I had a stack of Green Lanterns from starting from number 90 and going all the way to 225, and I, I skimmed through all of them. Like, if I would get to a writer and he wasn't good, I would just skip his run. But I'll tell you right now, out of Denny O'Neill, Marv Wolfman, Len Wein, and Steve Englehart, Mike W. Barr was the best. <laughs> a real murderer's row of mediocrity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So, uh, the artist Brian Boland, we never discussed him. Uh, he, he was born in uh, Butterwick, L- L- Lincolnshire, England in 1951. Butterwick. That's a pretty cool town. Uh, and that's really all I got on him. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> well, I, I guess Dave Gibbons was big on getting him into the comics. Um, okay. Like he, he met Dave Gibbons at a convention or something, and Gibbons they struck up a friendship, 
and Gibbons early, and of course Dave Gibbons um, Watchman frame for those who right, aren't familiar. Right. And so he was instrumental in getting Bolin into comics, and then he uh, did some stuff. I guess his first big thing was Judge Dredd. Right, right. And, and that was a regular series that he drew. But and it was, was only, like, yeah, eight pages each issue or something, or seven. Yeah, and it was from like 77 to, I think, 80-ish, mm -hmm. uh, 79, something like that. So that was pre-Camelot 3000. Um and then he's probably most famous, though, Michael, for what? Tell the kids the, the Batman. The killing right? joke. Yeah, yes. the killing joke. And that was him. Basically, they said to DC, "Okay, do what you want." And I, I think it was his assignment, and he picked Alan Moore, not the other way around. As far as I know, I could oh. be wrong. And yeah, that's what he's most famous for. But honestly, since then, like if you look through his bibliography, he's mostly done covers. He does he did covers yeah. for like, you know. Uh, what was it? Animal Man, Doom Patrol, Flash, stuff like that, but not really interiors. Yeah, he does a ton of covers. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so... Uh, He's probably yeah. the most... I'm assuming the most highly paid cover artist in, in comics, as far as I know. Except for maybe uh, Alex Ross. Bilson Kevich needs a new agent. There you go. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> um, yeah, so these three big credits are Camelot 3000, Judge Dredd, and Batman the Killing Joke. Right. So there you go. And he's, all, you know, his art, to me, one thing that's cool about him is his style. I mean, he was pretty much already I, good, you know, when he was, what, 20? I'm not a fan. Like, oh, are <laughs> not you a fan. contrarian? I said it before, <laughs> I'll say it again. Not a fan. You like uh, things he, that are good. He was, like, what, he was good. like 31 here doing Camelot 3000, so. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, he was already in peak form. <laughs> You, have you read Killing Joke? Yeah, I have. Yes. I mean, he was obviously a little bit better then, but still, I mean, he's always been good. I don't think I've ever seen him turn in something bad, but I'm not a contrarian, so. <laughs> Michael, have we ever talked about Killing Joke? I don't think so, no. So in the end, Batman kills him. Uh, right? That's Grant Morrison's theory, but it's yeah. kind of that's been a... disproven. <laughs> How, though? Because like, that's the only way it makes any sense. I know, no, trust me, I, I thought it was really cool, especially considering the title. It's like, duh, what do you think this is? But uh, apparently if you look at the script given to Brian Bond, it's not in there. It doesn't say that he breaks his neck. So, I don't know, I mean, it could be, but... Well, I don't care about the script given to him, what's in print? Okay. You know? Like, I, would, should we give a fuck what the, the script was? What's in print? <laughs> like, look well, at no, the pet comic. It's not. it's not overt, obviously, because no one got it for 30 years, so it's obviously... You have to. Kind How can no one get that? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like I just read it, and then I write a, and then I got like the, I heard that there's a big controversy about it, but I didn't understand what the controversy was. I'm like, of course so he wait, kills him. I don't understand. You, so wait, when did you first read Killing Joke? <sighs> Maybe about four years ago. Okay, but so you'd already heard the story. You mean? No, like I had no idea there was a controversy about Batman killing. I just assumed, so, oh yeah. Oh, Batman so you're saying you read it, and when you got to the end, you're like, oh, he just killed Joker. Yeah. So that means you're the second person in 40 years to ever walk away with that. Cause I, apparently, because I no it was shocked. Like, no one until Grant Morrison said it. And like the internet turned upside down. But Kevin Smith was like, right, what the? And it like started this huge thing online. See, that's what I don't understand. I don't understand. As an outsider, it makes no sense to me. I don't wow. get it. Like, is it just because so many people grew up with, not, with Batman not killing people that they figured it? Like, I don't know. When I, I don't think that's it. I think it's just like when I read that story, I just thought, oh, he just stopped laughing. That's all. <laughs> you know? All right. 
<laughs> I suppose, but um, okay. Anyway, enough about that. We'll save that for the Killing Joke podcast. That's right. Coming uh, up soon. Camelot 3000. Yeah. All right. Let's talk about this cover. I mean, hey, this was done in what, 82, you said? Yeah. Yes. Feels like 2022. It's so modern looking. <laughs> what? Ma- yes. Oh, it's so good. Anyway, Maxi Series 1 of 12, uh, December 1982. The time has come. Camelot 3000. We see this shot of Merlin with his arms up. Uh, he's kind of like larger than, you know, life. And in front of him is King Arthur walking towards us holding Excalibur. And in the background, we see, what's his name? Tom? <laughs> I <laughs> this guess. kid, Tom. We'll, we'll meet him in a few minutes. Uh, getting Fucking shot Tom. by these lizard aliens that are shooting well, a laser. Well, getting shot gun. at. Being yeah, shot getting, at. Getting yeah. shot at. And there's like a big laser explosion. And this is all... It's behind King Arthur, but King Arthur's walking towards us, and Merlin's cape is kind of translucent, and that's all going on behind them. So, and in the background, we see like UFOs—not UFOs, but like spaceships flying—and that's pretty much it. It's kind of weird that. Um, and by the way, I think I read that Ross Andrew actually did the the layout for this. And then really? Huh. I, I saw that on like the one page. I don't know if that's true or not. Um, but. Uh, it's weird that they had Merlin's cape like being translucent into the bottom. Like, it is you think weird. you would just you would just have him looming in the background, like behind everything. But yeah, yeah so and you don't odd. really need it to be. It doesn't really reveal that much. There's really no point no. of being translucent. No. Yeah, like you weird. could just have it behind the the, the shooting and everything. Like, and then the the aliens just well. Uh, first, let's say uh, King Arthur. He's wearing like a red uh, little tunic kind of thing, a blue cape. In gold chainmail, legs and arms, and blue boots. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Quite the colorful. Well, it's kind <laughs> of yeah, like those King swashbuckler Arthur. boots are standard superhero issue, right? Like, this is yeah, not historically accurate. Fine. But yeah, the gold chainmail and the red tunic and the blue cape and uh, a little much. Um, then we got Tom. You mentioned uh, he's a dork, and then we mm-hmm. got the aliens. Uh, describe the aliens for the people. Well, they're like uh green the green skin yes. but they have like purple sort of armor and like they have skinny legs and skinny arms and like sort of biggish heads like a lizard and that's pretty much it yeah kind of like a cross between a lizard and an insect yeah know. yeah you could say that and uh their spaceships are flying there behind them mm-hmm. the least aerodynamic spaceships <laughs> ever <laughs> like a big block of wood with wings ah. <laughs> So it came out three thousand. And how much did they soak the kids for this? There's Let's like no see. price on it. That's what's funny is this. I don't think this is the original cover, but I have the original cover in the other room. But I don't no, know how right. much it was. Yeah. Yeah. We'll just assume it was way too much. <laughs> All right. So uh, Bruce D. Patterson, he inked chapters one through five. Right. Now what does that mean? Chapters. I'm one assuming through five? that means issues one through five, right? Yeah, that's what I'm confused about because this story isn't broken up into chapters. So. Well, this is obviously yeah, that's a good question. I think this is we're look we're looking at a digital digital version. So. Oh, do you yeah. think this was from the trade paperback? Yeah, I think so. Okay, all right, fair enough. Uh, the color Tatiana Wood, colorist yep. Tatiana Wood. So that's Never recolored. I'm I'm assuming. I think that's new, but I don't know. John Costanza, the letter. Uh-huh. George Costanza's little brother. <laughs> and original series cover art by Brian Boland. Yeah. So I guess, yeah, they don't even mention Ross Andrews, so maybe I just mm-hmm. made that up. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, continuing Legends chronicled by Sir Thomas Mallory. That's right. He's very good. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So 
the past and future king. Yeah, so we got this weird splash page. <clears throat> Again, the, this was DC's favorite thing to do, put in a splash page at the beginning that has no connection, or it sums up the story. It's or, like another cover, yeah. So yeah. this is King Arthur standing there with his sword up, and behind him is the face of Merlin, the face of some guy that's not Tom. Yeah. And then the face of a girl, I can't remember who Who's, this is. She's not Tom either. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey. by the way, apparently Mike W. Barr, his original pitch was uh, to have a girl in the part of Tom. Mm, interesting. And the editor, Len Wine, told him, no, make it, a, make it a dude. What an asshole. I think it would have been better with a girl. I think so, too. Because Tom is kind of, I don't know. <laughs> anyway, well, he's like I only read one Skywalker. issue. Yeah, <laughs> but we'll get to that later. Yeah. So yeah, so now we dive in, and we see we're in the midst of a of a aliens basically shooting lasers at London. So this is did we mention this is the future? This is yeah, the it's the year three thousand. Three thousand. And we see but London. don't be alarmed because everyone still dresses and talks like 1982. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> so we see these aliens attacking London, and people are running for cover. <clears throat> and they're in space. Their spaceships are shooting at London. Like we don't yeah. see the aliens yet. Just right, the spaceships. right. Spaceships, right. And there's people, uh, you know, like running for cover and blah blah blah, and getting shot at. And look, Big Ben is still there that's in right. year 3000. Mm-hmm. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. Do you think they'd still have clocks in the year 3000? I think so. I it looks like it. I mean, Why 3000, Mike? Oh, couldn't they just set this in 2000 or, I don't know, 1985? I don't know. Just make it <laughs> something. Why all the way to 3000? Because if, if you're jumping all the way to 3000, I need to see some pretty crazy technology in a, high, in a very changed world if it's mm. the year 3000, you know? So you don't but, like jeans and slacks and jackets and dudes earrings. Dudes with an earring yeah. in his left ear. Glasses. The guy's and got mullets. glasses. He's balding. No, I don't, I don't enjoy it. Uh, anyway. Um, so, yeah, the aliens are, are blowing up London. And, and then we see two dudes, one old guy and one young fella. And they're trying to avoid the aliens. Uh-huh. And then and, uh, cut over to our <laughs> hero. Huh? Well, let's 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 stay. Spend some let's more time on this page. Let's go panel by panel. Let's go panel by panel. Well, well, let's spend some more time on this page because, uh, yeah. So the ends are shooting. He goes over here. Pop, jump. There you go. You're safe now. Safe. Don't you believe it, lad? We may not be dead yet, but we sure ain't safe. True enough. Though I guess it's just a matter of time. <laughs> the stinking aliens aren't taking prisoners. I hear they're just killing us wholesale. No, no, no. It, Wait. It's the stinking aliens aren't taking prisoners. I hear. They're just killing us wholesale. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, <clears throat> I, I missed the emphasis there. And they've got the whole city cordoned off. No chance to escape. Lord, what I want to give to be out of here. Yeah, okay. So here, here's what we need to discuss here, Michael. Huh? Who are these people? <laughs> Who are they? And, and it, why why do you start a 12 issue maxi series with these two people when we don't see them again? <laughs> that is a valid question. That's a valid question. We could probably skip 
if we were to adapt this story into a movie, we would, we would skip that page, definitely. It's so dumb. It's just like forcing exposition to let everyone know what's going on. But guess what? You could have just done it on the next page because we get Tom and his family trying to escape the aliens. Why not just start there? There's no reason to start here with these two random goofballs. <clears throat> that is a good point. I'll give you that. I'll give you <laughs> one point for Mike Dell. <laughs> yes. Uh, anyway all right so So now now. we jump ahead no Uh, see we had to have them introduce that they're trying to get to the to france to join the but you could do that with tom right here Uh, you don't need to do that with them opening page no (laughs) you didn't and on the way to france to join the resistance that's where they hope and by the way if the world is really in trouble from aliens the one place you want to go the one place that's going to defend you france that's right that's that's the country that's going to save the day they, right. they know when to quit, right? Anyway. <laughs> so we see uh, Tom and his parents, and Tom's driving his little flying car because why do they have flying cars? It's the year 3000. That's right. And apparently, hey. in the year 3000, you don't need roofs on your cars because well, it no longer rains in the year 3000. When, when I look at this again, I see, oh, look, it's Luke Skywalker, Uncle Owen, and Inbaru, right? Little yeah. parallels there. Luke has. Where's the blue milk? We just need the blue milk, <laughs> yeah, and everything will be hot. So, so they're riding along, talking about how... Uh, are they talking about France, too? No. About London, I think, and how yeah. they're not going to be able to come back and see London, and his mom's crying. And Right, you know. but then just as they're talking, what happens? An alien ship comes out of nowhere. Brace yourselves! It shoots them with two lasers, and then the car blows up, but our hero gets away, right? Yeah, Saves yeah he own. jumps out. He jumps right. out of the car in time, but his parents blow up. And again, we got to describe, I didn't do these ships justice. They're basically a tin can with wings and a shark's fin on the top. Yeah, this is a weird looking ship. I'll give you that. I know that like Jack Kirby tended to use household objects to draw to design his spaceships, but yeah. this looks like... Terrible. I don't know what yeah. this looks like. Yeah, it's weird, but anyway. It's the year 3000. All right. That's so, right. Uh, <laughs> so Tom jumps from the burning car and, and we see uh, in the next page we get three panels and like it's just one giant picture but like he moves in each panel you know what right, I mean right, yeah right. split up so in the first panel to an objective observer it is obvious that young Tom could not possibly have saved his parents lives but until he himself acknowledges his this truth he will run and run and run right <laughs> You gotta hit it home right now we get what they mean okay gotcha. <laughs> and he keeps running and he's running and running and running until he reaches glastonbury tour uh for aeons a, re- a region thick swathed in magic and mystery so he's been running a very long time and it, it just so happens that he's part of an archaeological dig at this site Michael. of course yeah coincidence right that, that's how you yeah. make a good story it's <laughs> a little weird <laughs> Um, so yeah he comes up to this this like big steel doorway uh and um what does it say here uh so he goes up to it and he like hits this button and it says dig or dig personnel only provide vocal identification pretense thomas puff junior member of dig and then he's like almost forgot we came by how do you pronounce this glastonbury Glastonbury. Glastonbury for There's a a big music festival there a lot. Every at least there used to be. So there's all these like weapons and helmets and stuff inside this thing. Well, like I don't know what the yeah, like weapons. But then (laughs) Yeah, I don't know if they're weapons. I think they're uh they're tools to dig. Yeah. It's uh because you know how we know it's the year three thousand, Michael? They have crowbars with flashlights attached to them. (laughs) 
That's how we know it's the year 3000. Again, I'm not expecting Mike W. Barr and Brian Boland in 1982 to be inventing the internet and stuff mm -hmm. and, you know, like coming up with all these, you know, legit ideas. But a little more creativity would have been welcomed, I think. Well, you know. You could argue that. You could argue that. <laughs> and what about the fact that, like, the... Like the speaker above the door looks exactly like a speaker from 1982. I think that's pretty... yeah, just set the story in 1982. Like why? Why? Just so they can have flying well, cars? Give it a couple the, years. Give it a couple years. 1985 at least, right? Yeah, whatever. But yeah, the uh -huh. only thing here is the aliens coming in. Like that could have happened at any point in our history, having uh -huh. space monkeys come down and invade Earth. We don't. You know, it would have been fine. But yes, year 3000. All right. Ugh. So now we think he's safe, but we cut to the exterior and we see a finger, an alien <laughs> finger pointing with yeah, alien green language. Finger. Yes, we know it's like an claws, right? Yeah. Pointing. Yeah, the alien language too, like you mentioned. Yeah, in the in the yep. speech bubble there. That's right. Yeah. Just and a then bunch we, of squiggles. <laughs> and then we cut to this other guy. I guess this is the Han yes. Solo of More. the story. How about we heat things up tonight? Mm, how so? Get a little fresh. Add some steam, sizzle, and spice. <laughs> Wait, you're talking about going to Outback again, aren't you? Fire things up at Outback Steakhouse. For a limited time, try our bloomin' fried shrimp. Or get fresh with our new strawberry salad. Go big with our bone-in ribeye. Or the filet and grilled shrimp on the barbie. Then cool off with a cucumber crush or peanut koala. Try them all before they're gone. Let's Outback. More huh? great writing coming up here, yeah. Yeah, so this yeah. guy's like, oh, what's the great writing you want to call attention to? Well, oh, okay, oh, you can, yeah. Oh, this is the, uh, this is the, this is the, um, the money the, guy, right? Yeah, just the exposition and stuff, yeah. Mm -hmm. He's, yeah, so he's like, um, he's like, how, how fortunate then that I will be spending the night at my estate. They may stay at the townhouse indefinitely. Oh, oh, sorry, no, then he's like, lodging, medicine, transportation, all necessary. It all treating a symptom, not the disease. Across the channel, yeah, aliens are establishing a base for God knows what purpose in England. So this guy, this is in France. Yeah, I forgot. Yeah, to he's trying that. to bring in refugees because I guess you know aliens. Even they don't like France, so they don't <laughs> want to go to France. And we see the Eiffel Tower there, but it's dwarfed by all these futuristic three thousand, you know, the year three thousand looking buildings. Yeah, and uh, they're st they're basically just books stacked on top of each other. That's true. Been, uh, yeah, that's that's basically. At least they, they had the foresight to predict future yeah. technology and architecture. At least they tried. They, yeah. they tried to do something. But, right. uh, so then yeah. this guy's like, and all the matchless wealth of jewels Futrell can do is help the victims. We cannot attack. Their weapons make ours look like toys. I am the richest man in the world, and I'm useless. Useless. See, there you go. Some good exposition there, right, Mike Dell? <laughs> Love it. Yeah. Love it. Somewhere there must be someone who can help us. But who? And how? Excellent questions, those, dot, dot, dot. And though Jules Futurell has no way of knowing it, they're about to be answered. Woo! Uh, now, Mike, how do you feel about those narrations? Because you know, oftentimes you make fun of narrations like that. I think these are great. Uh, okay. They're telling <laughs> us, they're explaining us exactly what's going on, and it's fantastic. Anyway. So then... And we see, we see Tom in his blue sweatpants tucked into his tube socks. <laughs> <laughs> and his Velcro tennis sneakers. <laughs> running uh, uh good lord yeah. so yeah he's like running through this like hallway it was all black and then outside the aliens are trying to get in and basically they make their way in with their laser beam and they the first thing they do is they turn on this like infrared thing and they can see his footprint so they know exactly where he's going 
and we get yeah. this great shot at the bottom of these alien legs <laughs> what? right up front. Oh, you don't <laughs> oh. like that? Oh, oh okay, my okay, okay. No, the Which, leg shot's fine. Yeah, yeah that's yeah, fine. Yeah. I thought you were talking about Tom standing there with the... No, that is not a great that's shot of Tom. That's not great, but, but the close-up <laughs> of Tom is good. You gotta give us that. Come on. That's okay. Yeah, I don't like this... I, this is the style I don't like. But yeah, that's a fine shot. But mm -hmm. the, the alien legs thing is good. Yes, yeah, that's yeah, fine. Yeah. So then he's like, they found me. So he turns around and, you know, smashes his face into this <laughs> something stone. We don't know what it is yet, but he smashes his face and, like, falls over. And he's like, bloody stupid, pl stupid place to put a rock. Well, the old pro bar ought to clear it out because that's what you do. So I don't know what he's trying to do. Is he trying to hit it or what? Yeah, but, I think he's just trying to smack it with the uh, year 3000 crowbar. Right, I right. hope he doesn't damage the flashlight. <laughs> right. Yeah. So then he's like, no, it can't be. And all of a sudden, he sees the inscription, Here lies buried the renowned King Arthur, once and future king. Just my rotten luck. I finally find something historically important when I'm running for my life. Well, whoever's buried here, I mean, who could it be, right? Whoever's buried here, all he's, going, all he's doing now is blocking me away. So, and then he, this is where, yeah, so he crowbars open the, the lid. Oops, just clicked on something. And, uh, mm -hmm. and then we see a hand come out, right? How, how long? <laughs> And then we cut to the splash page. Awesome. Best page in the book. <laughs> King Arthur is standing there. And he's like, how long? How many nights has slept Arthur Pendragon, King of Britain, Lord of the Roman Empire? And then Tom's like, oh, wow. Listen, Mr. Wh whoever you are, whoever you are, we've got to get This is what fast. I don't get. Whoever you are. You just see a guy who looks like King Arthur stand out of a crypt that was said. It's King Arthur's crypt. And you're like, whoever you are. Yeah. You just think this was some uh, some wacky dude who drifted into this ancient burial site and climbed into a crypt and has been sleeping there for a while, I guess. I don't know. I, I can't piece say, two together. You know, one trope I don't like in, fa in fantasy movies is when one character refuses to believe that either someone's an alien or, you know, or like, whatever. I, I get if he's walking down the street and stumbles right, right, upon right, this guy. Right. But you were just in an ancient burial ground. You just opened his crypt. Right. <laughs> yeah. It's, 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 a, it's, a, it's a cheap way to try to make it seem like like the guy is grounded in reality. Because the easy thing would, for him to be just to believe it, right? But that's still... Look, just go with it. It's a story about King Arthur and 3000. Yes. Just have him believe it. Who cares, right? But this whole time, he's like, oh, I don't know if I can trust... Who is this right. guy? I don't know if I can trust... Oh, my God. And then, yeah, then the kid's like... This guy not only thinks he's King Arthur, but he even speaks the language. Good thing I understand it. Huh? Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, he's, he's speaking English. So then King anyway. Arthur, he grabs the um, thing, the yeah, weapon. Yeah, the three, year 3000 crowbar. Yeah, yeah, the crowbar, and then he hits one of the aliens on the head. And uh, and then the and then he grabs the laser gun from the alien. He's like, "Away with that weird torch! Away with it, I say! Or better, if ye so dearly wish to see it rend flesh, then give it to me." And then he shoots the. Oh no! He he stabs the alien with the, his um. Your uh, three thousand crowbar. Yeah, and then he then now he's got the gun. So he's like, "And I shall grant thy boon, though not in the manner ye intended." And he shoots the guy and like the alien and he disintegrates him. Yeah. So then he's like, I am so I am sore tempted to keep this weapon. And why not? Its owner has no further use for it. So then they start chatting it up. And King Arthur's like, uh, yeah. Um, 
He's like trying to figure out what's going on. He's like, how long have I been asleep? And he's like, well, it's the year 3000. And he's like, the, the year 3000, you say, by Jezu. I slept. Couldn't you s- tell by the crowbar? Yeah. It's the year 3000. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so basically, he's like, okay, we got to get out of here. Um, he's like, we got to go find. Um, uh, who does he want to look Who's looking for Merlin? Oh, no, Mordred. Mordred. Which I thought it was Mordred. Uh, no, 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 no. Mordred's the guy that uh, wounded him in the head. Okay. And his head healed itself. Um, over three by the year three thousand, his head wound healed. So he has to go to. Uh, he he wants to go to uh, Stonehenge. Oh, right? okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> but uh, he says I must find him, lad. Uh, oh yeah, he mentions Merlin, right? Doesn't he? Yeah, somewhere in here. I can't find. Or him. no, maybe he he wants to get revenge on Mordred. Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So. so then- uh, but he says, I must find him, like, uh, could, could you come with me? I'll need a squire in this strange era. I, I'm sorry, your majesty, I can't. And, and then he says, all right, well, whatever, I'm leaving. And then, and then Tom's there thinking, oh, no, I can't go with him. I got to get to France. Mm-hmm. But why? Mom and dad are dead. And I especially wanted to see them safe. I've got uh, no friends or relatives in France. Besides, it's a long way to the coast. And there's no telling how many of these blokes are lurking uh-huh. about. He's looking at the aliens. Yeah. Uh, I don't for a minute believe he's who he says he is, but he sure can deal with the aliens. Mm-hmm. Wait a minute, your majesty. I'm coming with you. Yeah, so he, he still doesn't believe he's King Arthur. Pointless. Uh, I know. Yeah. So yeah. then they, they get to the entrance to the cave thing, and they see these two lizard aliens standing by their spaceship, and King Arthur throws his year 3000 crowbar at one, <laughs> and he lasers the other and disintegrates him. Yep. So yeah, then we get my favorite scene in the book where they get they <laughs> they get into the spaceship, and Tom figures out how to operate this spaceship in three seconds. <laughs> well, um, yeah, he says, uh, "Do I take thy words correctly? Does this structure fly?" Well, yeah, but then our conundrum is solved, lad. <laughs> we shall harness this vehicle. Can you guide her? Sigh. Let's have a look, and soon. <laughs> this appears yep. to be a kind of short-range ship, so it's fairly simple. Indeed, yeah, the red levers for takeoffs, and the grid here guides the ship to whatever destination you set it for. Wow, that's pretty easy. Just push the lever up, and you take off. <laughs> so I, I guess it is the year 3000. So, yeah, that technology. <laughs> <laughs> those, so... those Tesla driving, self-driving cars, and here we go. By 3000, we have red lever-equipped lever, uh, spaceships. There you go. And they're off. You know, now that I look at this ship, it kind of looks like a fish. Well, you said like a shark, a shark fin. (laughs) Like a shark fin on the top, yeah. Yeah, but anyway. So, yeah, they fly. Uh, So now they're going to Stonehenge. And then we cut To find Merlin. Yeah, to find... Yeah, yeah, see, did they... He mentions Merlin before, right? He must have. I don't know. Somewhere Yeah, because now they're saying we got to find Merlin. I don't know. So then they, now we cut over to somewhere in North America. And we see a bunch of guys watching this computer screen of aliens uh, shooting at a, like a, a, it's a, this is like the bubbles here. UED's uh, ship Ion Cloud to HQ. Aliens have badly damaged us. We'll commence emergency. No, bail out, blast it, bail out. And then the ship gets blown up. The captain was a rank amateur. I should have been there. And so basically they're arguing back and forth. So this is in North America, and it's funny because they're wearing, like, a version of the American flag. Evil. 
Oh, see, I thought it was Evil Knievel's outfit. Oh, okay. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so way. it's like, yeah. Go ahead. Well, that, this blonde is also the blonde lady we saw on the first splash page right. that was not a splash page or whatever. So, yeah. So, yeah, like, basically we have a blonde, a bald guy, and another guy, and they're all wearing these outfits that have, like, kind of, like, white collars with blue stars, a blue kind of jacket, white and red cuffs, and then, like, red pants. So it's kind of, like, red, white, and blue theme, you know? And they're, you know, talking about how the aliens are here, blah, blah, blah. And, uh, you know, they're like, you know, uh, it won't matter which of us are alive or dead because the planet Earth will be in chains. So this is like, you know, they've got their own thing and, going on here. And, Mike, yeah, lo looking at her face there, do you still want to say that this is great art? Do you really I would say it's not it? as good as Brian Bolland got later. I'll give you that. No. That's not a good shot. This is not good. No. All right. So, yeah. So now we cut over and we get some exposition, which we like so much, right? <laughs> yeah. And basically, but see, this is fine. This is fine because he's telling Arthur. He's filling in Arthur. So this is okay. how you do exposition. You have one character not know what's going on. You have someone else tell them what's going on. Sure, yeah, sure. it's it's done poorly. Like uh, in Wolfpack, remember that issue Wolfpack when they're everyone Wolfpack. knows what's going on yet they still explain it. Yeah. yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right, anyway. Yeah. Uh, so anyway, so now, so he's explaining to them. He's like. Our cities are nothing but layer after layer of stores and apartments because the population is so large. There's barely enough food or water to go around and not nearly enough hope. And then <laughs> he's like, you see, centuries ago, every country in the world voted to end all exploration of space. So we, and like, This is my favorite. They said the money would be, would be put to better use on Earth. Maybe. I'm sorry, Michael. But we what? see a, a picture of like these people in like, a, oh, yeah. uh, you know. <laughs> Like, I don't know, the Supreme Court or something. They're up there, on the, and they're like uh, a big eagle behind them, and uh, all these judges, and they're they're taking a vote. And on the back, we see, against space science, 612. Yeah. <laughs> For space science, three. Oh, that is awesome. See, if, if you've uh, read any 1960s Superman, this all fits perfectly. It's great. I love it. For space science, 612. I love it. <laughs> all right, so. All right, so yeah, but that was the doom of humanity. They voted against space science, yep. and then uh, and then the aliens came and they weren't prepared. Exactly. And the aliens just murdered them, shot up their book like looking buildings, and just toppled them over. Yeah. Well, at least we know how Mike. Dub I, I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that Mike W. Barr <laughs> is for space science. What do you think? Yeah, he's a big NASA fan. This Mike W. Barr. Yep. He uh yeah. So anyway. Oh, there you go. So then, uh, now we cut back to Arthur and Tom, and they land at Stonehenge. And, uh, yeah. of course, it's, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, even though they just talked about how there's yeah. <laughs> overpopulation. <laughs> it's, you know, everything's covered, you know, store upon store, but that's fine. Uh, and again, not, another not-so-good shot of Tom's face, just uh, struggling there. But, Which uh, one? Yeah. The one the, the, the middle one? Yeah, it's not great. Uh, yeah, yeah, not so good. Not great. Uh, Stonehenge, they're very excited. And, uh... They, they get out of their little f spaceship and they go to Stonehenge and Arthur needs to uh, summon Merlin. Right. Yeah. Because again, it's, it's the year 3000 with Stonehenge is still there because uh, Tom explains that they tried to take it down to put in like parking lots or something. But uh, the Stonehenge still stands because all the machinery just stopped working somehow. And when they brought in workers, well, they all got sick that the doctors never could figure out why. Yeah. Eventually, they just decided to let it stand. And of course, this is where King Arthur laughs at him. <laughs> Forgive me, boy. I laughed not at you, 
But at your tale, Merlin vowed that no power neath heaven would ever topple his handiwork, and he spoke true. So, yeah, so he built this, and he's like, okay, now I'm going to call him. Merlin, if you hear my words, he's like shouting to the heavens, right? And there's yeah. nothing. He's like, a wind? I wish not to speak to elementals, to weather spirits, but to thy maker. Where is Merlin? And then, oh, look. Is this Merlin? This face appears. Hello. Go back to yeah. thy grave, pretender to, the, pretender to the throne. Rule the dead. No, England, England needs ye not, usurper. Go away. No, I am Arthur Pendragon, son of Uther and king of England, and I will not be denied. So he smashes his sword into a stone. Uh, stone. Well, his year 3000 oh, crowbar. That's right, the crowbar. But, but he, last we saw it, he threw it into an alien's neck. So I don't know if they went back I and retrieved it or not. I think this is a what? different one. I don't know. Uh, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know. yeah, you're right. Yeah. So then uh, these hands come out of the ground. Sure enough, it's Merlin. You have been heard, yeah. Arthur, son of Uther, and answered by Merlin, son of the devil. See, that's a, that's a good shot. The big panel they got there the yeah, big splash page of merlin right. rising up that's a good shot yeah so then uh so then they're chatting it up and they're you know flashing back um and he's uh and merlin's like uh, i was baiting you so you would free me i couldn't break the enchantment cast upon me by that scheming witch nyanive <laughs> yeah i don't know nyanive or yeah, i don't know, know. uh <laughs> so basically they're like uh Oh yeah, so like, so then, oh yeah, so then he teleports them away because they want to find Excalibur, right? Yes. So he teleports. So Merlin teleports them to the Sal Salisbury Down nuclear plant. So we see yeah. like a bunch of tree trunks, the trees that have been cut down, a wire, a barbed wire fence, and then this nuclear power plant. And then on the like walkways of the nuclear power plant, we see the aliens shooting up a bunch of people dressed like Doctor Fate, and they get like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. then they appear there. And King Arthur's like, here, Merlin, I shall find Excalibur here. It was into these waters that one of your knights cast it at your bidding, and it is here that it remains. So, there, so, and then Tom's all worried that the aliens are going to find them. But, and then Merlin's like, Arthur, tell your pet to be silent. They cannot see us. And he's like, pet? So, yeah, it's kind of convenient. But Merlin can make it so the aliens can't see them. I guess they could have just not drawn the aliens being there, but whatever. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so then Merlin, uh, he like looks at the water and he's like calling to the sword. And he's like, return. And then we see, you know, the hand come out of the lake. Well, not the lake, but like the water. And, yeah, the uh, water at this nuclear power plant, I get. And uh, notice, Michael, the hand, the lady of the lake, uh, she has uh, painted fingernails. That's true. Oh, interesting. Yeah. 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 <laughs> oh, seems odd. All right. So the sword comes out and this is a weird scene. She throws, or yeah, she throws the sword and it's like hurtling through the air. And then just before uh, Arthur is able to grab it, it just disappears. And he's like, Merlin, yeah. it's gone. And he's like, why? So it is, isn't it? <laughs> Don't play games with me, Merlin. <laughs> Merlin, that blade and I are one. Where is it? You shall know soon enough, son of Uther. And so shall the knights of the round table as well. And then he makes them teleport away again. So then we cut over to the United Nations, and it says, even in the year 3000, a place where world <laughs> leaders meet to discuss crises. And we see, yeah, so even, yeah, so this is, it's pretty much the same as now, except there's like those futuristic walkways or roadways going over it, and that's pretty much it. And those book buildings we talked about. Yeah, well, we do get one invention here. They have a news reporter there, um, still using a very large microphone that looks like a... Uh, an adult sex toy and <laughs> then he there but there is a nice invention here of a um floating camera 
Yes. Like, so there you uh, go. That is some yeah, ingenuity. Yeah, it's almost on like a part. cell phone. Yeah, or something. It's kind of cool. Or yeah, it's just floating in front of them. Uh, oh, you meant that? I thought you meant them. on the last page with that square thing he was holding. But you're talking about the next oh, page. No, 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that square thing. I don't know what that is. I think it's just. A, it looks like a bit, uh, one of the original iPods. Um, yeah. But exactly. I don't exactly. think it is. But yeah, I'm talking about the news reporter. You got a floating camera. So there, there's some ingenuity there from I bet you that's te- that technology is five to ten years away. I guarantee they'll have, like, drones like, that are silent yeah. that can just be a camera and, like, follow you wherever you go for, like, news reports yeah. and stuff like that. So anyway. So, so there you go. Some actual year 3000-worthy technology. Yep. <laughs> All right. And so, sure uh, enough, well, go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, yeah, so the, the newscasters there is covering this uh, United Nations meeting and everyone's angry. Oh, because this, <laughs> they, uh, the General Assembly has voted 912 to 0 to bitterly censor the invading aliens. Of course, since the last U.S. envoy to the aliens was disintegrated, there is some debate over who will deliver. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, you may want to do more than censor them. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> yeah, so, there, but there's a, a commotion, Michael. The ground starts rumbling and uh, something pops up from the ground. Sure enough, it's Excalibur, and it's inside an anvil. <laughs> yeah, inside an anvil on top of a stone. I'm pretty sure the legend was just in a stone, I not in an anvil I think on top right of a stone. That, yeah. Yeah. Because, huh. I mean, are you really so cool if you can get the sword out of the anvil? How about getting the anvil out of the stone? Maybe that's even harder. Maybe try and do that. I don't know. Good point. Maybe you're the true king. But, uh, yeah, so next, the sword in the stone. Oh, my God. Yeah. What a cliffhanger. I'll be reading that tonight. holy fuck yeah this is terrible this is just god awful good fun i call it good fun good good you know uh, maybe meant for kids but good fun tom is terrible first of all that guy he's not great is the worst um again why did we open the story with those two people who we never see again maybe we'll Um, see them next issue right the writing is very ham-fisted. Uh, the the three thousand is just you know I don't know it's just a random number it has no real basis on the story. Um, I, I just uh, I don't know I don't like any of this. This I is do. not enjo- not enjoyable at all. And I I am I just don't like Brian Boland's art. Um, and here this is not good. There's a lot of really bad panels here. Um, Anatomy wise, just the uh, line wise, just I don't know. Not a fan of any of this. So, are you telling mm. me even after reading Killing Joke, you don't like Brian Bolland? I liked it, was fine. Yeah, it's good when Killing Joke was fine, but I mean, he's not one of my favorites or anything. I just don't like his style. It just doesn't, okay. you know, make it for me. Um, but this here, just yeah, not good. Not good. So, I don't know. <sighs> Aliens got- and King Arthur, Michael. That's right. It's a good combo. Good combo. Let's make a great cartoon one day. Coming soon from DC Warner. You know what? I want to make a good comic book. <laughs> I think it's fun. It's good fun. Yeah, and now awful. you know you're only one out of 118 that doesn't like it. I think I take great pride in that. Right. So contrary. Oh man. Yeah, I, I don't know. Anything else you want to say about this, Michael? Do you want to defend um, it? Besides uh, so good fun? Only that I've been waiting many years to read it because I have the original issues. And I will say that it's more for kids than I thought it would be, but it's still good fun. <laughs> I See, I don't know. I don't. Nothing much was fun about this. I thought it was. Um. <laughs> <Okay. laughs> Alright, well, here we go. Um... 
Yeah, I'm, I'm just, as I was panning through it, yeah, we don't see him ever retreat. Oh, I guess, uh, oh, what? They both had crowbars. They both had year 3000 ah, crowbars somehow. Okay. So when King Arthur throws his through the alien's neck, Tom still has his. Although Tom, there's only one to begin with, so I don't know where the other one came from. But uh, I guess they picked it up on the way out, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so anyway. Um, all right, uh, one out of 10, Mike. Yo, I'm gonna go two, I'll give it a two. I would have given it a one, but since you love it so much, I will give it a two. I will give it, let's see, the art I give a seven. The right. That is ridiculous, writing, that is absurd. Seven for this, well, that is absurd. First of all, let's be clear, Brian Bond on Killing Joke is a 10. <laughs> and this is not as good, so I'll give it a seven. But all Brian all right. Bond art is good. Mike W. Barr's writing, I'll give it a five and a half. So we'll average this out to, what is that, 6.25 or something? I don't know. Something like that. All right. 6.25, yeah, 6. Camelot 3000. All right. Woo! So there you go. Love me if you like King, King Arthur, Arthur, yeah. And you like aliens, here you go. This movie, this book's for you. Camelot yep. 3000. All right, so next week, uh, I'm going to try and out-obscure you, Mike L. I will see your Camelot 3000, and yeah. I will raise you Doc Savage from 1973, <laughs> number four. I, mean, I did tell you last week that I'm in the middle of reading Doc Savage, right? <laughs> I know, because last week, we were after the show, we were talking with our buddy Bob, and I was saying how uh, I got some obscure picks coming up, Mike L. I'm, gonna, I'm probably going to pick Doc Savage. And you said you were reading Doc Savage at that very moment. That's right. <laughs> I was like, Crazy. What? So what number are we doing? Uh, we're going to do number four from 1973. All right. Uh, now, I don't, I've always heard of Doc Savage because I guess it was a fictionalized hero, like in books, right? Yeah, it was and a then, pulp hero, yeah. And then Marvel adapted him to uh, the comics for a brief... Uh, I think this series was only around eight issues or something yeah, like that. Yeah, eight issues, yeah. And, and then I think they brought him back again after. And there's been a few volumes of Doc Savage, I guess, over the years for different companies. Mm -hmm. But I think this was the first comic book adaptation. I think but, so, uh, yeah. But I don't know anything about the character. I, I, I hear he's a man of bronze. Yeah, which a is confusing because, you know, just like Superman's the Man of Steel, I thought it was kind of just a nickname. But no, his skin is actual bronze. Is, yeah, literal bronze. Kind of weird. So, uh... Yeah, I'm interested in this. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to researching this character and its history. So, uh, oh, really? we will. That'll be next week. Doc Sweet. Savage. All right, Doc Savage. Also, my picks. It was on my list, and so now I can knock it off and pick something else. <laughs> wow, that's two weeks in a row. I've knocked out yeah, some of your picks. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, if you mm -hmm. if you can uh, duplicate my next pick, then well, the, the world will collapse <laughs> in on itself. We'll see if that happens. <laughs> Camelot 3000 issue Again, 4. yes. How could you know? <laughs> anyway, so yeah, you can hear every episode of Flea Market Fantasy on Stitcher, Spotify, and iTunes under Comic Book Syndicate. You can also follow us on Twitter, on YouTube, on uh, Facebook, and on the Comic Book Syndicate website. Every week we pick a different Bronze Age comic. One week I pick, one week Mike Dell picks. So until next Tuesday, disperse! How about we heat things up tonight? Mm, how so? Get a little fresh, add some steam, sizzle and spice. <laughs> Wait, you're talking about going to Outback again, aren't you?
Fire things up at Outback Steakhouse. For a limited time, try our Bloomin' Fried Shrimp. Or get fresh with our new strawberry salad. Go big with our bone-in ribeye. Or the filet and grilled shrimp on the barbie. Then cool off with a cucumber crush or peanut koala. Try them all before they're gone. Let's Outback. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.